The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my companion... Russell McGee, here again with Mr. Brandon. All right. And this series of Old Space Show follows the semi-antastic adventures of Galen and his two astronaut pals as they wade their way through the futuristic Earth in the short-lived television version of Planet of the apes today we discuss the sixth episode tomorrow's tide which i read was actually the eighth one in production it was yes eighth in production sorry, sorry. Six to air. i'm jumping ahead but it nope. just reminded me of that when you said the sixth When the astronauts are captured in a fishing village employing human slave labor, they must prove their worth as fishermen or be sacrificed to the gods of the sea. Sharks. All right. As is directed by Don McDougal, written by Robert W. Lenski, starring Roddy McDowell, Ron Harper, James Naughton, Roscoe Lee Brown, Jay Robinson, John McLeam, and Jim Storm. All right. So McDougal. He's back. He directed The Gladiators and Lenski, who wrote The Good Seeds, is back to write. Uh, our big guest star, uh, Mr. Brown, uh, as the chimpanzee Hurton. Um, he was the box in Logan's Run, the big robot that they found. He was inside that, but he's a he's a big character actor. He was in he worked with Hitchcock. He was in Topaz. Might be my least favorite Hitchcock movie of all time. <laughs> You did the Cowboys with John Wayne, loads of TV and cartoon voice acting. He's like on Columbo. He did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the cartoon show. And he was Kingpin in Spider-Man, the animated series in the 90s, to which he also uh, played the role in a video game in the early 2000s. And let's, let's give respect here. He was the narrator in Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you got me on that one. Brandon. There you go. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, that movie starred uh, Bill Murray and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. All right. Um, eh. I love how Bill Murray, like, unapologetically will just play up that as far as like in Zombieland and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Um, Robinson, our other guest star, uh, he debuted acting in television as Caligula in the movie The Robe. So I didn't mean to say television there. But uh, he starred in Star Trek. He played Petrie in Elon of Troyes. Uh, he was on Bewitched. He was in Woody Allen's Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex, asterisk, but were afraid to ask. He starred on Kolchak. He was in Shampoo with Warren Beatty. Uh, starred in Buck Rogers. Starred in The Sword and The Sorcerer. 
Uh, uh, tie-in. Yep. He was in Night Court. He starred in Big Top Peewee, Cheers, Coppola's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and also guest starred on The Nanny with Fran Drescher. So this guy, he got a pretty good career. He had himself a pretty good career here up and down. So we got some good ones here. Uh, McLeam here also starred on four separate episodes of The Twilight Zone, but they were all like cop, like lawyer, like they were kind of random parts. Uh, he was in My Fair Lady, did four episodes of The Fugitive. He was in Cool Hand Luke, nine episodes of Gunsmoke. He was in Woody Allen's Sleeper, started MASH, Magna PIV. He was in Star Trek The Next Generation in Who Watches the Watchers and guest starred on Northern Exposure. And lastly, we have Jim Storm, who is most notable as Gerard Stiles in 81 episodes of Dark Shadows. Uh-huh. Run home, everyone. It's Dark Shadows time. <laughs> There's a documentary about that, I think, coming out of how kids used to run to home. Like, my mother was one of those that. With Jonathan Freed, right? As far as. Mm-hmm. The, yep. the original, yeah. Yeah. That phenomenon that kids today would never know. Like, everyone was addicted to a soap opera about vampires and time travel. Like, <laughs> I've always wanted to go back and, like, check it because I watched sci fi channel reruns of that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's just such a monumental task. To, like, Amazon had them up. I don't think they do anymore. And there's no like real cool Blu-ray collection or DVD. The no. DVD collections are just like scattered up. Like no, I'd love to DVD check. The DVD set is still like $400, dude, to be able to mm-hmm. get the complete series. Yeah. And it is just FYI though, like for anybody that's interested, it is on Tubi. So you can oh, watch it's on it Tubi. Okay. commercial. Yeah. So okay. You can watch the full series there. Yeah, so. Actually it was on, Pluto TV has a channel for it. And for a while with my editing, I would put dark shadows on in the background. It's just comfort, comfort food background. Like it's that old soap opera. You and I like BBC ITV stuff. So dark shadows fits right in with that, that wheelhouse of old, uh, multi-cam video, um, stuff. So there, there's a, there are dozens of us dozens. Yeah, I know uh, guests of the show and from Radio Free Scaro, uh, Stephen Shapansky talks about he loves raw studio footage. That is like his go to on the Who Blu-rays. He loves anything that is like shot like he he'd love for some show to go back and shoot an episode like old school uh, British television used to. It's his it's his aesthetic. He loves it. So, well, that going aside, we had that the product, the student production where they reshot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission to the Unknown, right? Recently for Doctor Who, are there any missing Dark Shadows episodes? Fans that someone could reshoot. There is one. There, there is, is one. One. Yes. Oh, wow. Where okay. only audio exists, just like how Doctor Who. Same oh, type of thing. That's yep. cool. Yeah, that's excellent. Wow. See, random aside. Random aside. Dark Shadows now playing on Tubi and Pluto TV, free for everyone. <laughs> We're talking about. Like- what I, I was going to say, I did like the remake series uh, series as well from the oh, 90s. Yeah, I, I checked that, that out. I have no, like, I remember watching because my mom's like, you got to watch Dark Shadows because that's what I watched or whatever. They were into it. And I remember that like, just existing. Like, that's yeah. it. That's all I remember. I should find it, check it out. But you know what you can't check out on any streaming service? Our show, Play of the Apes. Um, not available. Only on DVD. So... 
And if you search hard enough, um, you can find it. Physical media. It's it's, it's still important, physical media. That's right. I was watching a Moon Knight episode, and they were having a chase fight scene in a dark cave. And I was like, God damn it. I can't. It's crushing. It's all. It's like, this is why I, 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 I must be like, I ship uh, physical media, I guess. That's what the kids say. I ship it. So. It wouldn't have looked like that on a Blu-ray. I hope not. No. Definitely not on a 4K. But I was like, I can't see. Why is it gray? It's dark. So anyways, that's my nitpickiness uh, of that. But um, here we have beaches. We have some different set stuff. There's no Statue of Liberty Malibu. hanging on this beach. Malibu. Malibu yeah. Beach. Malibu yeah. Beach. Um, where they come across uh, a man dying who wants to die. Whose name is Gato? And I was like, Cat? Domo Origato? Sorry, I, I had to. You're, yes. If I it's know, there, not take the it. Same thing, but if it's there, take it. And yes, Gato, Cat. Yeah. So they take him to a cave cavern, and Gato Eve wants to die, and Galen doesn't understand what the humans. If, if he wants to be dead, why can't he be dead? Like, true. True, true. Um, but this is a, a village of enslaved fishermen, pretty much, yep. my ticket. Um, and our our heroes, Alan and uh Peter, they uh easily infiltrate it. They're just like, Yeah, we're coming here from there. Like, what uh fish we're we're fishermen, we're trying to be fishermen. Where are your papers? Uh, we lost some fishing. I'm like Okay, and the guy Herton uh, he buys it, but they have to do tests to prove they're fishermen or something. This episode, and there's like fire in the water and all this stuff that they have to go through. And a lot of this episode has these like tests for them to prove. And I'm like, all these elaborate, constant tests, like when they could be fishing. Like, does anyone fish here? They do later in the episode, but at one point, I'm like. <laughs> This is wasting a lot of time when they could just like test them by their fishing skills. Yeah, I, I said that I had a story as far as uh, that they shared on the wiki as far as with the actor where he was uh, talking about the fire. Actually, mm-hmm. he said that uh, the director, Dom McDougall, messed with him. And had him go out and said, go out, go stand by the fire 20 feet out, and we'll go ahead and see if that works oh, as far as a shot. I read and he this. kept he kept having the actor go closer and closer until he was five feet from the flames. And then he turns to the director and he's like, you know, I if you need to do retakes and I get actually burnt here, <laughs> this is gonna cause a delay in production. But like you know, and then the director just turns to him. Yeah, I was just messing with you. I just wanted to see how far you would go. <laughs> Dedication to the craft. Dedication <laughs> to the craft. So, yeah, our two heroes get caught up in all this stuff. And, like, Galen ends up showing up to try to help them and evoking some, like, law of possession where he's saying he's, like, their owners. But because they, like, offered themselves to the place that that might have broken that and nullified or something. So he's trying to present that to them. Gato also has a daughter who shows up wanting to 
fix things up. Another orangutan shows up named Bandor. Like this has got lots of stuff happening here, including fishing, which does, which I, I got to give the production credit um, for a television show. Uh, the look and overall population of like the fishing, the actual fishing scenes, like impressive and genuine feeling. Like it looks like a real operation with, within the confines and stuff we know of the apes world and what could happen. And it doesn't look not like everybody's got fish and all that. It looks like if you were to like walk out and survey the area, you just would look regular or like whatever's going on. I was, I was, I was pretty impressed with what they captured. It's also impressive for the time um, from the standpoint of the stunts, because the main actors, and this is something else I was reading about is like, they spent like all day underwater doing that underwater mm-hmm. sequence where they said that they had weights in their costume and then literally were like grabbing the seaweed and stuff to stay anchored down, but they would only be able to shoot like for a minute. And so like they were literally all day shooting that sequence underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they were shooting. Uh, there's a lot of the water stuff that is used in a pond that gun, that was like mainly for gun smoke episodes. Mm. So that was that was kind of a nifty thing. Like, hey, gun smoke, can we use your can we use your pond for apes or whatever? Wrong, oh, any fur in it. No, the humans are swimming. So, <laughs> but there's like sharks in this too that we see in the water, uh-huh. the little, little fin and stuff. Uh, and you you've surmised something that's. Speculation, I, yes, I did speculate but, something about this, and we have no way of actually, you know, seeing if this is true or not. But like mm-hmm. the one, the the mechanical shark that they had with the fin that actually was a propeller, like they, I, I like that got me to thinking is like when when was Jaws filmed? And I, I looked it up, and the overlap as far as time periods actually does sync because Jaws was being shot between uh, May and June of 74. So that would have been whenever like the production was going on as far as for the TV show here with apes. Mm -hmm. And we also know that the producers have borrowed heavily from other productions like we talked about with young Frankenstein. So I'm like half wondering because these were already prefabricated mechanical sharks did they end up getting used here in Planet of the Apes? Yeah, right. no, it's, it's it's or get scraps like, eh, right. or can we grab that like from a production? Because there's always like a uh, before they take things out to this, there's like a, a usually a warehouse or somewhere that they're working on testing out the effects to build them to do some uh, pre visualization tests like filming it and stuff. So there could have been scraps and so, and you know, a show like this is going to take the scraps, you know. They, right to help to it so it's very it's very like what else there was nothing else with sharks at the time so to create no. it for for this show they're not going to get a real shark they're not I mean, and yeah so go down to ask them jaws new guy steven <laughs> he's nice guy not working out too well with that shark though but um yeah that 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 does line up like no, and we, as I said, the last episode, like they used a young Frankenstein set. And with that, the producer literally found out like the next week they were going to be tearing it down. Mm-hmm. So like they got in there and filmed the week right before it was getting torn down. So like they were doing anything they could do to save money on the show. Right. Yeah. I mean, these, these things aren't like 
documented, announced, and whatever. You just kind of have a hearsay word of mouth. Maybe someone writes an article and mentions it because a lot of like prop sharing, there should yeah. be a, there should be a coffee table book on prop sharing or a documentary on prop sharing. Now that I think about it, because um, like you know, like uh, Bosk from uh, the Empire Strikes Back, the, the, he his I believe it was the Space Museum. Was that the Doctor Who episode? No, it, or um, no, it was. No, uh, it's from uh, Space Pirates. Space Pirates. Yeah, Space yeah. Pirates. Yes. Um, and they that his spacesuit was yeah. used from Doctor Who and borrowed. And there's, uh, you know, all sorts of things like that. Especially when you get into the UK and you're using those warehouses that people just hand me down city over there. Something will find itself into like multiple things. I mean, there's props from like. Doctor Who that wound up in Live and Let Die or Live and Let Die props that wound up in Doctor Who, something like that. Um, and I'm sure there's more. I think you probably do a whole movie on James Bond props using Doctor Who or something like that. Um, but yeah, that, those sort of things aren't like some big announcements. Like Steven might not even have known that the shark from his movie pieces got used on Planet of the Apes TV show. It's just not, no, not how it was. And the same is also true even with sound effects and stuff because right. like, that same thing, like people, like if a sound effects artist was working on one show would mm-hmm. go over and use pieces because they had it because they knew that they had that sound that they could use. No, that's true. That's yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Very true. But it's an interesting thing. And that yeah, definitely comes into play here. Uh, Cause right now we've, we've typically had, we've had a sets that have been borrowed or mm-hmm. used, but like, it's not like, Oh, the famous such and such. I was like, no, they just use this stuff for a couple Westerns or whatever and just happened to be a big name one or something. Um, but yeah, specific props like a shark like that, that would be a humongous. That would No, and the other little again, still side tangent, but on Jaws, like I, I also read that that was the first feature to actually shoot on location in the ocean. So like that okay. was so that also lends to why I'm thinking, okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now you go around the little rocks at the end and be like, "Oh, there's Jaws." You know, like this play of the apes. Oh, there's Roy Scheider. He's around the corner there, They're doing the Fourth of July thing. There, you know, it's kind of crazy. Oh. And we also have already established that they've shared even sets from different studios, like not just CBS. They've used things from mm-hmm. NBC. Right. Definitely very cool stuff. I like that whole conversation. Um, so, um, yeah, so they end up, I mean, this is another episode where our humans, our the team is having to deal against the adversity of like old hat traditions, myths, superstitions, stuff like, because the shark is like a, a sea, sea, mon- or sea demon or god for them. Um, the gods of the sea, which is sacrificed to stuff, believe all this stuff. So we've had a few episodes already. Um, because the the good seeds, I believe, the one with the farm that had to deal yeah. with uh superstitions, the gladiators somewhat had to deal with tradition, superstition. So there, that seems to be a recurring thing. Is but like it's not consistent to apes. It's more like oh, I went to this town and this is what they believe. Like it's it's kind of weird because of like that could that's how you I guess you write Logan's run the TV show or like Hulk TV show, you know, wandering into those. It's more the degradation of where the human race is like backpedaled and regressed into. And I I mean, 
that was one of the things that I did like about this story is that they went and they had that mythology element, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a sucker for that. Right. Yeah. Um, they do have a, a cool thing. The orangutan has a nice little like fish pendant he wears. Mm. That's kind of, kind of cool. Separating him from being, he's not Zayas, but, um, yeah. Well, so that's that emblems part on um, like, even with the slaves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Because Gato has it on, like, really early on, we see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then once uh, the Hurton, he's got, like, it on uh, his clothes. I believe he wears a pendant on, like, his shoulder or something like that. Um, but, yeah, um, this one also ends on one of the, uh, oddly enough, on a uh, comedic kind of punch toward the end where they um, guys are giving Galen some crap about owning them before they, like, <laughs> couple couple zingers and out to the credits as we go through the beach um kind of a grand looking end shot of the the episode too um compared to what we've seen before it's a big high shot um of them walking away um but yeah this was um in terms of the uh wrote or been there done that kind of with sci-fi television of the 70s episodes i'd like i think this was better of it it kind of had tropes had kind of a a, a skeleton of could be anything but actually strong enough to make it an ape one like more catered to this play of the apes and giving us feeling like we're not just you know we just filled this in with playing the apes details we enhanced some of the world of the play of the apes with some things you might have seen before so i i thought this was better than like the gladiators or uh the trap or something like that where i was like it felt like it was fleshing out more well so. i think like what you just said a moment ago, a big, big amount of that, it goes to the location itself. Right. And like, they actually do come back here and film at this location again for one of the later episodes that I, I love, which is the hang glider episode. But like they, they use this Malibu location more than once. I, okay. I guess they had a good time on, on set here. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, about timeshare, we better make sure we get down there, <laughs> something like that. So cool, cool. Uh, yeah, just a, a solid one. Um, it works for me. Um, but uh, it's time we take our sticky paws off this damn dirty episode. And Russell, thank you as always. Good times, good times. Uh, oh, yes. Till next time, where can people keep up with you? Um, they can keep up with me either at. Uh, IndianaPublicMedia.org, uh, where I work for WTIU and WFIU, or check me out as far as with Doctor Who um, with Big Finish Productions out of the UK. And I've worked on Gallifrey series for the last four years. Got another set coming out here sometime this summer. So look out for that as well. Hashtag Shark Ape. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brand4KUHD, written by written work at Weisselblue.com. Uh, and always check out the Patreon. I can always use your dollar or five or 20 or 50. I'm new to it. I don't know how this works. Um, there's more for the Brand Peter Show this week, but from Old Space, it's a madhouse. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. 
theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.